Welcome to the Bible Conversation Podcast with Chris, Dan, and Dylan. Let's have a conversation. Welcome, everybody, to the Bible Conversations Podcast. This is Chris Carrillo. Uh, I'm here with uh, Dylan Bruce and Daniel yes, Lane. Sir. You guys want to say hello? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm Hello. ready to have another study. This is going to be a really good discussion today. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm excited about it. I am uh, a little nervous actually because I've got some strong opinions on it. But you know, we will we just have to see how it goes. So, uh, Dan, I believe you are going to be kind of leading us in this study. Do you want to you want to introduce the topic and, and let us know what's going on? Yeah, let's jump right in. Uh, so. Today we'll be talking about uh, the coronavirus and, and Christ. Uh, did, did you have anything on that, Chris? Or I'll just keep going. I'll, I'll jump into it. Yeah, go for it. All right. So the coronavirus, uh, you know, the first reported death was in China, uh, January 11th, 2020. We're almost into May now, and uh, the death toll globally stands somewhere between 200,000 and 250,000. Um, you know, these stats are changing every day. We've got about uh, over 3 million globally that have been infected with this disease. And uh, it looks like the reports say a little less than over 100,000 have had uh, confirmed recoveries. Uh, it's, it's no doubt a very highly infectious and deadly disease. Uh, however, it's not unprecedented globally or in America. Uh, you know, in 1918, you guys might have heard of this, uh, about this, the, the global epidemic of influenza. It infected hundreds of millions of people, and around 50 million people died. You know, people felt symptoms in the morning, and they died in the evening. Bodies were being picked up at front porches to be buried in places that were dug by bulldozers. Uh, there was even reports of a man who was shot for not wearing a mask. You know, does that sound anywhere familiar to, to what you're hearing today uh, in these discussions about things like that? Schools were closed. I mean, you're hearing things like that today, aren't you? They're, they're happening. They've happened. Uh, ministers, they spoke about Armageddon. So, you know, it's not unprecedented, but... Uh, you know, regardless of precedent or no precedent, the real question I, I'd like for us to converse about uh, this morning, guys, is, you know, do we have a rock under our feet? You know, isn't that really the question that we should be looking at um, generally uh, as a people? You know, um, because uh, if history has taught us anything, it's that we really ought not to expect uh uh, the unexpected, you know, things usually do not turn out, or I should say we ought to expect the unexpected. Things do usually don't turn out the way we expect them to turn out. And history has show, shown us, at least in matters of uncertainty. Uh, but there are some things that we see through history that are, that remain certain, remain unchanging. And that of course is God. You know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the question I think we need to be asking about is, is this, do we have something like that something certain in our lives to carry us through the unknown. So uh, uh, where I plan on going with this um, conversation today is, uh, you know, the first part, I just want to talk about who God is, who is the God who is, uh, as we'll show here in a minute, who reigns over the coronavirus, because he does. Uh, 
who is this God? Who is this God who we should know and be knowing in these adverse times? And then I want to talk about what is God doing uh, during, you know, this, this adverse time. And so in that second part, I want to address some various impossible answers uh, to God's activity in, in these troubling times. So you guys have any thoughts or anything before we, yeah, we jump in? I think this will be a really good study for us. I mean, um, the title obviously is Coronavirus in Christ. And uh, like Chris said, there's so many different opinions that go around with, with coronavirus and, and quarantine yeah. and all that. But I think that what we really want the listeners to understand and, and to know is that we're coming up at this as far as um, not uh, with opinions about coronavirus, but it's more of a um, talking about the 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 God that we serve and the rock that is under our feet, no matter what the circumstance is, whether we're in coronavirus or whether um, we're in Ebola or the, the Black Death, you know, anything throughout history, um, yeah. uh, God has always been there. And I think that's the, the main thing that we need our listeners to understand is um, that's how we're coming about this this topic. Yep. You know, I, with all the opinions that are out there, I, I, I do, I agree with Dylan. I, I kind of want to stray away from discussing what's right, what's wrong, what's, you know. But I do think it's important we at least touch on, you know, what God expects us to do, um, what is expected of us during these times. Um, I, I think here in just a little bit, we'll, we'll very quickly come to the conclusion that God is in control. Um, and, and I just, I think it's important that we, we understand what, what our role is. And anyway, I've, I've got a couple thoughts on that and how we can do that. But, um, but Dan, I'll let, yeah. you, I'll let you go for it. Well, let's talk a little bit about who God is during this, this coronavirus. Because I, I think we're going to find a lot, of, a lot of common ground here and uh, you know, uh, be able to share some good thoughts together. The first thing I want to, there's really four things I want to talk, you know, point out about who God is. There's a, God is huge, right? I mean, he's big. He's uh, just grand and full of just, he's so complex, uh, you know, has so many attributes. But there's a few things I think that are really important to key in during this, this, uh, this pandemic. The, the first thing is, is God is a rock of open invitation. You know, he is the rock of open invite. Uh, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, when disaster and tragedy is hitting, uh, I think it's really important to remind one another that Jesus Christ, uh, our God, you know, he has an open invitation at all times under all circumstances. His arms are open right now. You know, Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you, you key in on some of those words, right? Labor, heavy laden rest. You know, those who come to Jesus, they're burdened, they're stressed, they're tired. And I think sometimes the devil's first seed thought has to be, you know, among the non-religious, you know, especially, is, hey, this is just jailhouse religion. You're, you're jumping on the bandwagon, you know, you're, you use your head. Christianity is just a bunch of silly myths and fables. And, you know, what I'm saying is, if we understand what Scripture says about who God is, we need to look at the devil square in the eye and say, you know what, you're absolutely right. I'm I'm worried. I'm afraid, and uh, you know I I need to get right with God. And 
if it looks like I'm jumping on the bandwagon, well, you know what? If the the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl and you know they're they're in the championship again, I'm probably gonna put I'm gonna jump on you know because that's the winning team right there, and I, I want to be in heaven. That, that's the that's the thing, and so I think that's just an important starter to to point out uh, here as we start. Dylan, I can't believe got, he just bashed uh-huh. our Cowboys. I know. I'm really disappointed in you, Dan. Um, Equating the Patriots going to Super I know. What is going on? The Yankees. From Wisconsin? Yeah. Dan's being typical to his Yankee self. (laughs) We're talking about certainty right now, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give you that one. (laughs) Track record, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, you guys had anything about that real quick too? Um, just feel free to jump in anytime, any, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I will say, I'll go ahead and jump in. Sorry. Um, the, the idea that, that God's promises are, are certain is something that, I mean, you can, you can read through the scripture and the scripture verifies what God has promised, right? I mean, God promised Abraham a bunch of things. All of them came true, right? The land promise, the seed promise, the everything that was promised to Abraham came true, right? I mean, he was 100 years old when he had Isaac, but that was promised to him when he was maybe 60. Like there's, mm-hmm. God promises things, and, a, and the reason I think he promises them to us and using that language is because we, we just don't, you know, fully understand. As kids on the playground, you know, we'll double dog dare you or triple dog dare you or pinky promise or you know we we do things like that to try and make it seem as if it's more important right well when god says something god means it there's there's not a Mm -hmm. there's not he doesn't need a pinky promise right Mm -hmm. but he kind of gives us that anyway so that we can have that ease of mind and god is god is big enough to handle anything that, that this world could potentially or possibly throw at him um, so anyway, those are just some thoughts I had there. I think what you might be leaning into there is the, the next point I was going to mention about God, you know, who he is during this time. And, uh, he is a, a solid rock, you know, he is a solid rock. He, when he makes a promise, when he speaks a word, uh, it, it, it is certain. And, and I think if we're looking for solid ground, uh, in times like this in times of tragedy, well, uh, that's that's what we that's what we're looking for. You know, that's the quality uh, of what we're looking for. And, and God says, you know what? I've got it. You know, I've got it. First uh, Peter one, uh, 24 and 25, uh, you know, Peter says all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever and then Peter even makes that awesome statement where he says, now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. This, this is the New Testament, you know. Uh, and, and so uh, the word of God endures forever. That's a reflection of who God is, you know, that, that who God is uh, and what the Bible says about his word. They're, they're really one and the same. You know, if, if God's words are perfect, Second uh, Samuel twenty two thirty one. The word of the Lord is proven. That's saying something about who God is, um, and and He is a, a so He is a solid rock. You know, like Jesus said, to whom the word of God came, the Scripture cannot be broken. 
you know, he's he's an unbreakable, unbreakable rock. I think um, awesome thought. I I got a quick comment there for you, Dan. Uh, Just thinking about who God is and and him being um, a solid rock that we can always rely on. He's also um, a very caring rock, if you will. Um, uh, There's a song um, called Who Am I? I don't know if y'all have heard of it. It's not one that we'll typically sing in worship, but um, but it's a uh, just a acapella song that, um, and the chorus is what I really want to focus on here. But the chorus goes, I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow, a wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind. And it's talking about just how um, our life is just quick. It, it, like Just like flowers spring up in your yard um, one day or, or weeds spring up in your yard one day, maybe a dandelion, and then the next day it's gone. Um, it's just here and gone. Mm-hmm. But the amazing thing about that is that... Um, the, it, it, as the song goes through, it talks about how God catches us when he, when we're falling. That that He cares that much about us. Think about the, with all the dandelions that may be in your yard. Think about seeing one start to fall and then caring so much about that that you that you run over there and pick it up before it hits the ground. But God doesn't just do that for us. He does that for everyone. And that's the amazing thought is that there's millions of dandelions, if you will, referring to us. Um, in God's yard. And he cares so much about every single one of those that he wants to pick us up as we're falling. But you know, just the next day we're going to be gone and there's going to be another dandelion pop up. Um, Because for God, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. Time is not nothing to him. And so there's so many dandelions that are popping up in God's yard, again, referring to us, but each one of those he wants to catch before it falls and before it hits the ground. And that's the amazing care that God has for us. And so, yes, he's a solid rock that we can rely on. Um, but that's because he cares for us and that, um, that he wants to take care of us. Uh, Dylan, I think you just made my third point. I was going to mention about God. You know, <laughs> He is holy and he is righteous and he is good. Uh, you just you just pretty much hit it. Maybe the only thing I'll mention, <laughs> since you did most of the my, my work for me, uh, I'll just mention that you know it's been noted that you know sometimes uh, pandemics, epidemics, loss, tragedy those those things can shake in our confidence in, in what you just said about God, right? I mean that God is good and holy and just. Uh, but Second Timothy two thirteen. Uh, we're looking at this, you know, in our Bible class uh, this Sunday. Uh, well, we're talking. We're talking about this book, and there's this passage that I think all of us will be reminded of right away the moment we hear it. Uh, you know, where Paul says, "This is a faithful saying it, that he cannot deny himself." And what that really means, uh, the way I understand that is, you know, God can't contradict His own uh, nature or who He is. You know, so if we're faithless, you know, he remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. He's, we might act, you know, uh, opposed to righteousness and goodness, uh, but that's not going to change who God is, you know, and this coronavirus business and everything that's going on, guess what? A lot of changes are happening. A lot of things are happening, but God, God's not going to change who, who he is. He just won't. Yeah. So, you, you know, and you may want to talk about this later, but what, what do we say to people who, you know, because because we understand God is righteous, we 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 get that. But what do we say to people who don't understand that and, and question? Well, why did God allow this to happen? How how do we? And, and again, you may get to this later. But how do we respond to that? 
Yeah, and I think we're going to answer that as we get into the, the second part of this. What is God doing um, in, in these times? And you just said something that's important, you know, why is God allowing this, uh, permitting this? And that, that assumes a lot of things, doesn't it? It uh, does. You know, <laughs> this person has uh, uh, actually something that we would agree with. He has an understanding of God being all-powerful, mm-hmm. all-knowing, all you know, God is it all. And that's, that's awesome. That's great because that's the God we worship. We worship almighty, all powerful, all knowing, all good and righteous God. But that's where things can get a little sticky, right? For, for those who are contemplating the Christian God and and who he is, uh, because even in times of tragedy, Christians work, we are affirming this truth that God is still sovereign. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that God has power over all these evils and uh, problems that come into the world. And that, that does cause trouble to people because, well, for, for evident reasons, you know, if God is all-powerful, all-good, all-knowing, then why is there this evil? Why is there this coronavirus? You know, why not prevent it before it happened or why not end it all now? And there's really no easy answer to that question. You know, we, we might be tempted, I think, to, to immediately separate God from the problem and say, well, God didn't work the coronavirus. You know, Satan did. Chance did. You know, and we try to use terms like permit and allow to create scenarios where God can be vindicated, you know, from any kind of accusation. But I think all these answers are, are, are inadequate, you know. Uh, Jesus said, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, you know, Matthew 10, 29, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. And and I don't take that to mean that God is necessarily waving his hand over every meticulous act of nature. But what I do understand is that there's not a single thing in heaven or earth that goes unnoticed or operates apart from God's reach of power. You know, this coronavirus is in reach of God's power. And I, and I'm not, I don't need to deny that. Uh, But you know, I, I will acknowledge that it does cause some, uh, some troubling, you know, uh, a dilemma. It does cause a troubling dilemma. You know, we can't say that, well, this virus thing, it happened outside of God's realm of power. That would be a, a slight against his all-powerful nature. And we can't say, well, this virus thing, you know, it happened outside of God's foreknowledge. Well, that would be a slight against his all-knowing intelligence, wouldn't it? Uh, you know, And if we try to reconcile with a quick answer like, well, God permitted it or allowed it, but he didn't enact it or guide it, there might be some truth to that, but it's not necessarily a satisfactory answer. You know, I'm going to illustrate this real quick. I've got a sweet potato pie in my fridge right now, and there's only two pieces left, okay? (laughs) Oh, that's one for Dylan and myself. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Uh, that's definitely where I wasn't going with this. But I, I've got five people in my family right now, okay? Three of them are less than five years old. And one of them, well, I don't know if I can give away her age. I might get in some trouble at you know, a later <laughs> point. But anyway, you know, if I come home tonight and there's one slice gone, well, that, there's not much I can do about that. You know, my wife, she wants to eat a slice of pie while I'm at work. You know, that's, that's within her right. But if there are two slices of pie absent tonight, you know what I'm going to say to my wife? I'm going to say, okay, dear, you know, why didn't you leave me a slice of pie for dessert tonight? And uh, she might say, what what if she says, sorry, honey, but the kids ate the second slice of pie. You know what my response is going to be? I don't. 
Okay. Yeah. It's going to be angry. Angry. <laughs> Dylan, you know what my response is going to be? I have no idea, but I'm one. I'm curious. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, my response is going to be, why did you let them eat the second slice of pie? You know? I mean, my wife really can't escape this inescapable responsibility you know my kids would not be able to eat that pie unless my wife in this scenario anyway my my wife reached up in the fridge and brought it down to them you know now don't get me wrong i'm still gonna blame those little chunkers for eating that pie you know (laughs) but my wife is the one who's in control of that home and what goes on by the way yeah you know i'm a pie addict can't you tell i'm starting to be able to tell don't mess with a man's pie (laughs) Okay, so how yeah, does this, this compare to, to God and the coronavirus? Bring this back okay. for us. I'm kind of confused. <laughs> well, exactly. W- what I'm trying to say is, you know, that here's an analogy, you know, where, uh, you know, it's kind of the same situation, you know, that someone's going to say, if you say to them, well, God, well, he didn't, he just allowed it. He permitted it. The, the, the response to that, of course, is going to be say, well, this is God's house, right? I mean, why did he permit that? Why did he allow that? And, and what I'm really kind of saying here is there's not a super easy answer to this. It, it is a paradox. It really is, seems like a contradiction. Um, of course, it's not. There's more moving pieces to it than that. But uh, here's, a, here's kind of maybe to go a little bit further w- with this. You know, so, someone will ask, is God working this? You know, is Satan working this? Is chance working this? Is man, or is man working this? And it gets into a deep conversation. But to me, this, the short answer is yes. You know, is God working this? Yes. Is Satan working this? Yes. Is chance working this? Yes. Is man working this? Yes. It, it's really not a question of who or what is exercising power and influence, you know, in, in our realm today. The, the forces of good and evil are all at work. And, uh, you know, the coronavirus and all these other acts of nature, they don't, they don't uh, happen or operate outside of God's sphere of power, his presence or knowledge. You know, he can end it at any time he wishes. Uh, he knew that was going to happen. The, to me, the real question is not who or what is exercising power in our world today. The real question is how, you know, how? Yeah, look at Job, you know, real quick. You know, uh, you guys got your Bibles with me. Uh, you know, Job, you look at Job's life, and there were a number of factors that were causing Job grief. There are a lot of parties involved, right? Yeah. I mean, you got Satan there. You got Job's friends later there adding to the distress. I don't know if Job did himself any favors either. You know, Job, his, his wife was there as well. And then we also see God. God is not removed from Job's world. He's not removed from these circumstances. And, and Job, he, he understood that. You know, he understood the full extension of God's sovereignty. Job 42.2 says, I know. Job said, I know you can do anything. Talking about God, you know, I know you can do anything. Job knew that his plight had not happened outside of God's foreknowledge or outside of his reach of power and presence uh, so that he could have stopped it and prevented it if he wanted to. He knew the extent of God's sovereignty. And so, in Job 1, this is really important, guys, I think. Job 1, 20 through 22, you know, Job says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then key in this last part here, he says, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Now, I'm going to give this to you guys real 
soon here, but, you know, I just want us to notice something here. Job said God did this. Well, God did what? Well, part one, he said God gave. Ah, okay, we're good with that, right? You know, we say God gave me my wife. We, we pray and we say God gave me my food, my, my clothes. We, we pray and we say thanks for all those things and we attribute them to God. And we're okay with that, right? We're totally fine with that. Anyone that does that, oh, thumbs up. Yeah. But what about part two? God has taken away. Uh-oh. You know, we say Job said God took away his animals. God took away his servants. God took away Job's children. That, uh, shame, shame, shame. Don't you dare say that, Job. But here's what the inspired commentary says. It says Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Job said God took away my kids, and God's word, own word said Job did no wrong. I think the real question is throughout Job is not who are the players. All the players are playing, you know. But as we go through this book, what it becomes evident to us is that God is a fair and just player, right? Satan, well, he's a deceitful, cheating player. You know, he's just in it to, to destroy man. And then man, <laughs> well, man is woefully ignorant. He's an ignorant player who doesn't understand the rules at all. You know, he's got a lot to learn. So uh, I'll give this to you guys. But, you know, just to comment on the coronavirus and sovereignty and all that, I don't think it's a question about who's playing ball right now. It's about how are the players playing? You know, how's God playing? How's Satan? How, and I, it's just an analogy. I know it's not a game. It's serious. But, you know, uh, and a question, but that's the question, right? How's man playing? How are we responding? God is working for our good. Satan in this problem, he's obviously wanting to destroy us. And then man, well, he's got his free will, and he needs to respond appropriately, or, you know, uh, this, this situation could be worse for him. So what do I you think, guys think? I think one of the things we need to remember here is that um, this life is something that, that God gave us. So the, the possessions that we have, the family that we have, it's all a gift from God. And um, j- just like our, our money, we're, we're, we recognize that our money is a gift from God and, and we understand that we need to return that gift, give, it, give some back to him, which we do in contribution on Sundays. But when when we start to think about our own lives and our own time, for some reason, that is harder to give back to God. For some reason, we get so wrapped up in the physical and we think, I don't, I, I can't give this up. Eternity is something that that is just so, so far beyond what we can wrap our minds around. But this life that we live here is, we have one goal. And that's to, to follow God. Our, our goal is not to live a long life. Our goal is not to be um, extremely successful in um, the worldly things of this life. We have one goal. That's to give glory to God so that we can be in his presence for eternity. Um, and w- when we get too wrapped up in, oh man, this is my time. I'm losing my time. This is my life. I'm losing things from my life. It's not yours. It's God's. It's a gift yes. from him. And um and like you were making the point about the the people and the the figures at work in all of this are there there's God and Satan. Satan does not want good for us and and God does want good for us. Just as we looked at God as a caring God. And so recognizing that that we have one goal that's to to give glory to God and knowing that whatever's happening God wants good for us so we shouldn't get get too wrapped up in, you know, I'm going to I'm going to lose um, things. I'm going to lose some of my time being in quarantine. That's just, that's a ridiculous thought. Um, 
Our, yeah. our main goal is to give glory to God. And I know some people might disagree with me. That's why we're just having a conversation. But personally, I think it's a ridiculous thought to think, oh, I'm losing time while I'm in quarantine um, trying to go out and live life. But, you know, l- let's have a conversation if you disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so what, I, what I'll say is I'm reminded of Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. You know, one of the things you had mentioned was that this is a matter of, you know, how people are in play, how people are using their time. What what are people doing with the time they've been given? When you look at the mm-hmm. Hall of Faith, you see that everybody that is in there has done something, right? Their, their faith was exhibited through their works. Their faith was exhibited through their actions. When we talk about this, this coronavirus and the way that it impacts us, I think it's important that we understand that God is sovereign over this virus. That does not mean that he's going to take it away. Could he? Yeah, of course. He has the power to. But it doesn't mean that he's going to. So then becomes the question of, well, what's our job? What are we supposed to do with it? You know? what We we recognize that God has, has the power and the authority to get rid of it. But we expect it to happen in a certain way. He's in my estimation, he's already working on getting rid of it, but he's using people to do so. He's using us as, as his, his chess pieces, so to speak, and we just can't see the outcome. We can't see checkmate, right? We, we can barely see a move in front of us, but we've got to make sure that we're doing what we can to, yes. to slow the disease, to, uh, to, to stop the spread of it, to you know, be safe, um, and I think the other part of that, there, there's a certain amount of empathy involved, right? Individually, we may think of the virus as being varying levels of severity, right? Where, where one of us may think it's incredibly severe, another may think it's not severe at all. We have to be cognizant of that and understand that there are people that are on all scales of this, and we need to be respectful of that. Um, and so I, I, think, I think the point's well made that God is sovereign over this. He has power over this. And he can do whatever he chooses with it. But what are we going to do with it? And I think that's I think that's kind of getting into I think what you mentioned about your second part is, you know, what is God doing through the coronavirus? Like what's what's happening through this? That's right, Chris. I, and I think that is a good lead into the second part, because as you think about what your response should be and what you, you really can't answer that question uh, entirely apart from uh, knowing what God is doing. And, I, you know, I'm not <laughs> I'm going to tread carefully here. I, I don't want to say I, I know what God is doing. And in fact, uh, that's one of my preliminary thoughts in answering this question is, you know, let, first, before we even start answering this and thinking about this. Let's let's remember, you know, what Scripture says. You know, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. You know, uh, Proverbs twenty eight twenty six um, and Proverbs three five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So, uh, in Isaiah fifty five, you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So, uh, you know, we need to remember that that God is so much higher and so much greater than we are. Uh, I, I think in a lot of ways this question is going to still be left unanswered. But um, at the same time, there are things that we can affirm about who God is and what we know him, what we know from scripture, what is revealed to us, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means, what does God say? You know, what does the Lord say? Um, 
and there are things that uh, we probably, uh, I think, at least we can rely upon um, certain things about we that we know about who God is during these times and what He's done in the past in times of trouble that uh, can, you know, stir us up and uh, the response that we should have as well. You know, Paul said in Romans 5, 3, we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces. And you guys remember in James, you know, my brethren kind of all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So (laughs) there are certain things we know that God is doing and that we should be doing in response uh, in times of tragedy. Yeah, I think uh, that's a really good point, Dan. But the thing that I I keep thinking about um, is just like, what is our answer? Practically, what what is our answer in response to the coronavirus? What are we supposed to do? Um, And I think uh, I see you have another note that you made here on on, um, our outline. But I, I just I keep coming back to that. What is our response? What are we supposed to do? Yeah, and I think we I think we can offer a few answers here. Like, let's start with the first possible response. Here's here's one possibility of what God is doing in this time. Um, God may be picturing to us the horrors of trivial sin. You know, you think about how this uh, this virus looks so small, doesn't it? Can't even be seen without a microscope. But look at the damage it causes. Uh, sin is like that. It seems so small, men belittle it, but that's a travesty. In other words, it's a gross misrepresentation of sin. And I think, you know, it, God has tried to illustrate this before, even through his word. Paul said in Romans five twelve, through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And then death spread as a result to all men. You know, I think Paul is trying to emphasize, look at look at what sin can do. And that whole letter, right, is about you need God, God, you need the gospel. It's the power of salvation. You can't do this on your own. You know, uh, you think sin is so small, don't you? Uh, man does. Uh, I, I can't even imagine, can you, you know, Adam having ever eaten that fruit if he had seen death for what it really was. You know, God warned him about death, but Adam didn't experience death up until that point. You know, but... Now, look at the world, you know, look now, look at the horrors of of sin. And when death came into the world, I think Adam saw for the first time a physical picture of the horrors of sin. Yeah. And so I think that's one response is, hey, let's stop. God, you know, he doesn't want we need to see sin for what it is. And God has tried to demonstrate that in times past. And I I see no reason why he's not continuing to teach us that lesson today. That's one possibility, stressing that word possibility. What do you what do you think some of the other ones are? Um, God. Okay, here's God is enacting divine judgment. That one makes us a little uncomfortable. Uh, But, you know, Acts chapter 12 uh, the people kept, in the case of Herod, they kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. And in Acts 12, it says, then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and he died. You know, and uh, many have connected this with some historical supplement, you know, that the possibility of disease or some sort that struck him and suddenly killed him. Um, Romans one twenty seven, you know, likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the women, they burned in their lust for one another, men committing with men what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their heir which is due. 
you know, God does enact judgment. He enacts penalty. And I don't think we need to sh- necessarily shy away from that. We do qualify that, especially today. You know, like I said, we kind of get uncomfortable with this thought of God taking away, like Dylan said, you know. Uh, but it's just a reality of who God is, you know. Well, I'll, let's let's talk about those two. Um Talk about this idea of, of I've got more, but <laughs> what, so which which ones would you would you prefer to talk about in in the next couple minutes? Well, we can talk about those a little bit. Go ahead. So this the the second one was the idea of enacting judgment. Um, yes, and, th- and that is a scary thought. Um, you know, because then, then you start getting and there's a whole bunch of hypothetical questions that you ask. Well, who's being judged? Why? Are we being mm-hmm. judged for others' actions? What you know? What, I mean, there's there's so many questions that come into play. Um, Could be all of us, right? I mean, yeah, judgments start at the house of God, like Peter said, and the chips just kind of fall where they may. You know, and it, and it very well it very well could. Um, it's, and I agree. I, I don't think it's something we can write off as not true. Um, I think we've got to be careful with that one. Um, yes, of course. Yeah. And in knowing that. I guess more so in, in in the case of knowing that it really could offend some people, you know. You know, I, I, I've got a comment on this. I, I think um, what we really need to remember is what's written in Second Peter chapter three, um, in, in verse nine. It says, "The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but uh, that all should reach repentance." You know, um, sometimes when people read through all of Scripture, they they see two different gods. You, you, they see the God of the Old Testament that is quick to just rain fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah when there's no righteous people there. But then we see the God of the New Testament that says um, that he's patient towards us, that he's not wishing that anyone should perish, that we, but that we should come to repentance. Now, obviously we know that there's not two different gods. We, we serve one God um, that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But when he sent his son to die on the cross for us, he sent him so that we would come to know Christ and come to repentance. And I, I'm thankful that it says right here that the Lord is is patient towards us because I know that I'm sinful. And we, we're all sinful. And if God is so quick to rain fire down, down on Sodom and Gomorrah, then he would be so quick to to rain judgment down on me as well for, for my sins and for my mistakes. But it says that the Lord is patient towards us, that the, the point of sending Christ to the earth is so that we should come to know him and repent of our sins and turn and follow him. And, um, that's just a a blessing to think about. And so, um, I, I don't really think that God is uh, using coronavirus as a, a judgment tool, if you will, um, which I don't think that's what you're hinting at, Dan. That that may be some people's ideas, but um, I really don't think that's what we read through Scripture. Well, I like what you say about, uh, you know, I like that you bring out the point that with judgment, that the desire, God's desire is that we would repent, that we would turn from sin. You know, Hebrews 12, you know, you mentioned Hebrews 11, Chris, Hebrews 12 talks about him as a father disciplining his children, not just because, oh, he loves to do this. You know, he just enjoys, you know, giving man a spanking, you know. No, I don't think so. You know, the Bible says whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he's trying to build us up, you know, and make us holy and righteous. Yeah. You know, I've I've seen on, I guess, different social media platforms the, I guess, potential that, you know, God is telling us to slow down. 
you know, he's, he's using this as a chance for us to spend more time with him. And, you know, overall, I, whatever God's reason is, is God's reason. You know, I don't know that we're supposed to know that. I don't know that we need to know it, but I think what we can take away from all of this, uh, as, as we kind of start to wrap this up a little bit is that God is expecting us regardless of the situation to grow closer to him and to love him more and more every day, right? To understand his will more, to understand the sacrifice that Christ made, to, um, you know, to become a better Christian. And, and I think if we don't use the time that we've been given to do that, we are really just kind of wasting it. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that's maybe one pin. I have heard that before, and that's one I didn't throw on this list. And, you know, the reason for that, I think, is because I have a hard time of, I don't, well, I don't really see anything necessarily in script. I might be missing something. I, I really might be. But, I, you know, I, sometimes I heard someone say once, if you don't have time for prayer or study, or, you know, drawing near to God, then you're too busy with other things. You know, God would not create a world where we don't have time for him, you know. And so I, I tend to think just a little bit more that, you know, if God, uh, you know, in these times of hardship and difficulty, they, they're more like wake-up calls, you know. <laughs> and uh, that is one I, I, I know I don't have enough time to go through in a great detail, but I did, uh, this, this passage just kind of hit me in Romans 8. You know, it talks about uh, the creation, and it pictures the creation as a mother who's going through these birth pangs to, uh, you know, to preparing and readying itself to, to give birth, uh, the, the glorious liberty of the children of God. And that passage is really kind of difficult at first, but uh, until you experience really for the first time your wife going to the hospital, you know, uh, with that little child in her womb, and for the next 8 to 24 hours, you begin to understand Romans 8.20 very clearly. You know, every contraction, every birth pang your wife is experiencing is telling you, hey, we're getting closer. You know, the hour's coming. That child's about to be born. And, and uh, in Romans 8, Paul kind of describes the world like that. It's going through these tribulations just like a mother with her, her children. And the day will finally come that uh, the birth happens. And it's so exciting, you know, as a father, you, you're just so excited. But it's 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 a tribulation, you know, let me tell you something. It's a tribulation as you go through that experience. And so I, that's kind of how I like to think about this, too, is, you know, because Paul said it, right? He said there's going to be tribulations. And so these tribulations, I think, at, at the very least, these tribulations can remind us of that truth that Jesus is coming. The, the birth is going to happen. All the glorious children of God are going to come forth and be taken up with him. So are you ready? You know, is the rock under your feet? Is Jesus in your life? So if you had Mm -hmm. to tie all this together and I guess, you know, Dylan likes to use this phrase. I kind of like it too, but put it, put a neat little bow on it. (laughs) How would you tie, how would you tie all this together? The coronavirus and Jesus. Yeah. Well, one thing is certain, you know, this pandemic is going to serve Christ's invincible global purpose of world evangelism. You know, he's going to make himself known and continue to make himself known throughout 
all the ages in, in every place. And I think we see that happening, don't we? You know, uh, God is good, he's righteous, and he wants to have a relationship with his people. And that's kind of the bow I would put on it, and, he, and assuring each other, comforting one another and our listeners that uh, Jesus is our rock. He is the rock, and he wants us to come to him and rest our souls in him. Yeah. Dylan, do you have anything you want to add? Um, yeah, I think Dan, I mean, summarized it pretty well there. I was, I was just about to, uh, offer my own summarization before you asked him, but, uh, that's, that's perfect. Just, um, understanding that one, God is bigger than anything that, that we can encounter in this world. It, it's like the, the old VeggieTales song that I remember from growing up. God is bigger than the boogeyman and he's watching out for you and me. I mean, that's the, the message that anybody needs to hear whenever we're facing something like this. So, um, yeah, God is bigger. He cares about us. And we have one job, and that is to to give our lives over to Christ and to give our time over to Him and to um, draw closer to Him with every moment that we have. Amen. All right. Well, uh, Dan, appreciate all the, the time and effort you've spent getting this together and, 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 and running us through this. We, uh, I, I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Dylan, I hope you did too. Um, and what we're going to do right now is we're going to we're going to close out and uh, let you know that if, if you are interested in hearing more of our podcasts and uh, we have links down below uh, that you can click on. But uh, other than that, we are just so glad that, that we're able to really just discuss discuss all these things, the, the worldly matters and, and put a biblical perspective on them. And uh, we just hope that, uh, that you'll join us and, and, and continue to have a conversation with us. Hey, and just one quick message to both of y'all. Don't don't touch my pie. <laughs> oh, man. Dylan, he knew. He knew I we know were going to get it after this. <laughs> All right. Anyway, see you guys. Uh, see you guys next time. Adios. Adios.